All right, listen, let's go to Luke chapter 6, and I've got, a, I've got a series I'm on with Sunday mornings. My name is Jeff Perry. I pastor St. Louis Family Church, and uh, since 1988, the motto is to honor God and help people. I got that while I was in Bible school and studying, and got it in between uh, thoughts and a class and wrote it down in the back of my Bible. We put it up on the wall so we just remember that faith pleases God, giving honors God, uh, 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 conquering and uh, overcoming temptation and walking in the Spirit honors God. And then what helps people? Just that we live an honorable life and love our neighbor as ourselves. We present Jesus to them. Uh, we live an effective life and uh, model something for them. So Luke chapter 6, I remembered growing up in Southern California, we had a forest fire and then right after that, when the rains came, because all the foliage was burned up on the mountains, uh, it caused a terrific flood. So we had a fire. Everybody say fire. And then we had a flood. Everybody say flood. Uh, we've even had a house fire and the flood of 93. So floods and fires happen. But uh, the Bible talks about when uh, we won't have the smell of smoke on us. We end up winning in life no matter what. And that uh, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises a standard against him. And the enemy often and, 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 and occasionally does come in like a flood, but the standard is God's word. And we're standard bearers, and we're to carry this and understand this. And I think in this verse, uh, Luke chapter 6, uh, it says here in uh, verse 40, Luke chapter 6, verse 40. Uh, six, and I'm, this is why I'm teaching this foundational series, and I'm going to talk to you about uh, how we've become partakers of the divine nature, but first I want to show you why I'm teaching foundational series. What I was going to say was, in the flood in California, my brother Trey and I stood on the edge of our street, and um, I wondered why the builders had built curbs that were three feet tall. Um, we lived out in the foothills of Mount Baldy in the San Gabriel Mountains, the, what they now call the Inland Empire, about 40 miles uh, east of Los Angeles. Uh, and uh, when the flood came down off that 10,000-foot mountain, momentum built and water and mud came down to such a degree that I remember seeing a huge, full, uh, old-growth eucalyptus tree just float by like a bathtub toy, and then also a beautiful, uh, brand new at that time, shiny white pickup truck with no, thankfully nobody in it, and it just kept shooting by. I remember what really got me though was watching waves lap up against the, the, the front of the subdivision homes, and I, I was just stunned by the devastation of it. And yet, even though windows were broken, trucks were carried off, trees went down the street, because of the firm foundation on the homes, the housing was able to stand. I remember when our church flooded, yeah, the windows broke, and I remember a cottonwood tree shooting through the center of that window in the corner, and I remember silt settling in here and mildew in the ceiling, and it was devastating. But God had given us a prophetic heads up. And uh, earlier in the week, God told me to come back from where I was out of town at a conference told me to come into St. Louis. I got up the next morning, a man called, 
uh, warned me that the levee was going to break. I prayed about it, and we evacuated all the stuff out of the building in three hours and 30 minutes. We saved the doors off the hinges. We took everything that wasn't nailed down out of the building, copy machines, office equipment, and so forth, musical equipment. And we were spared a worse fate because the Holy Spirit helped us out. And even though the levee broke and we were part of that, we bumped up from the category of victims to being victorious. And this is why I'm teaching this foundational series because uh, if you have a firm foundation, according to these verses from Jesus, you're going to be able to stand. Say this with me. Having done all to stand, I stand. He says, um, chapter, let's see, uh, 6 verse Uh, let's look at verse 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep. Everybody say dug deep and laid a foundation. Everybody say laid a foundation. That's what we're doing today. We're digging deep and laying a foundation on the rock. And when the flood occurred... Not if, but when the torrent burst against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted according to to the word is like a man who built his house on the ground without any foundation, on sand, shifting sand. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed. And the ruin of that house was great. Look at that contrast. So this tells me we need to build our houses on a solid foundation, the rock. Jesus is the chief cornerstone, by the way, and his word is our solid footing. Even faith comes by hearing the word, and then faith pleases God, and faith is substantial. It's the, it's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Roy over here, he has a, a concrete company, and he'll tell you that when you lay concrete, you have to prepare the foundation. You have to get tamped down the ground and grade it. Then you have to put certain grades of gravel on it and then up to so minus, they call it, like pea gravel. And then you, you, you tamp it down and then you lay the foundation. And then that, that ensures that it's going to be solid. When they built this building, all, all, this building is supported by poles. And these poles are dug down to the solid foundation. Uh, the mayor of our city, I met with him the other day, and there's a new a development down the street, and they're going to build some of the walls as high as 100 feet, 90 feet, 80 feet. Uh, one person complained, well, they're going to build those walls, and then those walls are going to sink. And that's, that's, that, that would happen if they didn't dig down, dig these piers all the way down to bedrock. But because these piers are dug down to bedrock, even these piers up here, There's a big I-beam over my head, and there used to be a pole right here. And when we had the flood hit our church, what the enemy meant for harm, God turned around for good. We were in a little setting over there where the church platform was in front of that pole over there, and we had just a, a few seats. We were on a growth potential, and we needed to expand. And well, the, what the enemy meant for harm, God turned around for good. Uh, just like today, just that, that flood looked devastating, but any, God worked it together for good. We were able to expand, and we talked to the engineers, and we talked to the architects, and we got permits from the city, and we found out that we could buy this I-beam and eliminate this pole, but that you have to double up the thickness and 
and the strength of these poles. So they look the same cosmetically because they're the same outside dimensions, but they're actually twice as thick. Everybody say twice as thick. I'm telling you right now, you guys are pillars in the body of Christ. And by virtue of these truths coming into your spirit, there is a supernatural fortification taking place in your life. First of all, you're saying, now listen, I'm standing on Jesus Christ, so when the winds blow and the waves crash and the rains come, my house is going to stand. And Jesus said about his church generally, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we've watched the, I watched the turbulence of the 60s and 70s, Kent State, I watched uh, the hippie thing of Haight-Ashbury. I was born in San Francisco. I was raised in Los Angeles, just down the street. I talked to the Haley's. They were right down the street from the Charles Manson killings. We, I was just a few miles uh, east of them. In that turbulence, in that awkwardness, in the, in, the, in the drug craze, I remember who is, you know, Janis Joplin, uh, Jim Morrison from The Doors, on and on and on, just, it just like some of the rock heroes you start to get attached to and the culture, and then they're gone because of substance abuse. You look at the hate between races and the attitude between generations and so forth. The winds were blowing. The rains were coming down. The shakable things were being shaken. And yet, in my view, there was something happening from heaven where God was considering all of it, and he was coming in and he was extending his loving arms to a lost generation, and a lot of the cold, formal church got revived with the presence of the Holy Spirit, and a lot of lost souls got connected to and were engaged with the mercy of God. And so, today, 2021, this is a year of strength, hope, joy, and courage. We are moving into a time of terrific breakthrough. But be aware of this, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 4. We don't have time to read all of three, but Paul warns Timothy that realize that in the last days, difficult times will come. We've been in the last days for 2,000 years. We know that 1,000 years is as a day, and a day is as 1,000 years. So we come along in our particular little lifespan, and we realize, okay, I'm, a, I'm an embracer of Christianity. I'm a lover of the Word of God. I'm submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, and I believe the Word. And this is what God tells us, doesn't make us fatalistic, doesn't make us uh, dismissive, doesn't make us uh, in an evacuation or escapist kind of uh, mentality. It just makes us cognizant of and aware of uh, and sensitive to the times. And it says realize this. So we need to be aware of this, have a reality check. It just is what it is. It's, it's difficult. It's a fallen world. Uh, and itemizes people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, and so forth, boastful, arrogant, revilers, ungrateful, unholy, uh, you know, just very clear statement about what the results of the fall and the, the alienation and separation and the dismissiveness that comes on humanity without God. And then he says, but you, however, in verse 14, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. See, my message is maybe to a new Christian, uh, something you're unfamiliar with, so I'm introducing ideas to you about God being our foundation, Jesus being our anchor of hope, the Word of God being the best thing you can invest your life in. Don't dabble in the Word. Meditate on the Word. Make it your priority. Don't be a hobbyist. Be a professional. Go with God 100%. Meditate on it day and night. Develop a skill set. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, Colossians 3.16. 
Apollos, become like him where you become mighty in Scripture. Be like the Bereans where you search the Scripture to see if these things are so. And I know I'm speaking to people in, in this early service. You come and you're, you've got a discipline about you. And you. We've been in a rhythm for many years together in the church. And there's a maturity here. And we're in a maturation and growth. And fruition is coming. Uh, and, and so I'm stirring you up by way of reminder. He says, you, however, continue. Everybody say, I'm continuing. Continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Yesterday at the restaurant I was telling you about where I spilled all my food after I put it in the doggy bag. I looked around and I, uh, you know, there were, there were two couples over in another table. I caught eyes with this one guy. He gave me a head, nod. I gave him a nod, a courtesy greeting, you know. Um, you know, I passed people going to the restroom. I just, some people were real indifferent and insulated. Some people were a little more warm and uh, communicative and eye contacty. But, but I thought everybody here eventually is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I just, I'm trying to figure out, God, how do we get our generation aroused out of its apathy and complacency and into an awareness of who Jesus is? Thankfully, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But we are also called to become familiar with uh, the, the, the salvation. And we are to store up Jesus as central in our hearts so we can always give an account for the hope that's in us. And uh, I want to be a soul winner. He that is wise... Proverbs 11.30, win souls. So I am trusting God in this moment of crazy that a breakthrough will occur similarly but maybe different from the early church with 3,000 added in one day in Jerusalem or the Jesus movement I'm familiar with where every week people were coming to the Lord in my particular high school, adults, kids, everybody, they were experiencing salvation and the uh, deliverance and, and, and the impartation of the Holy Spirit, hey, I believe God could do it again and again and again. And these things will make us wise to salvation. Hallelujah. I want you to be like these pillars, these double reinforced pillars that are supportive, being pillars where you're strengthened with power by His Spirit in the inner man, where He's not weak toward you, but He's mighty in you. And uh, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So you could withstand pressure. These two poles up here are having to hold up and do the work of three. And so these are two of my favorite poles in the church. Besides, I stand underneath here, and I'm depending on these guys, right? These are my dependable buddies up here. And it would have been weird to have a pole right here because I'd have to be going, hey, how's it going? And I'm sure I'd have had to have stitches. I'd have busted my nose. I'd have banged my shins probably 50 million times on the pole, but I, I removed that pole so we could have these other poles so we could be strengthened. And this is what it says here. He says that in verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That's what's happening to us. Training in righteousness. Why? So that the man, woman, or child of God may be adequate, sufficient, Excellent, equipped, prepared, trained, equipped, look, for every good work. I'm telling you, when you know God, you're on to something. 
Signs and wonders are to follow you. Amazing uh, devastation against the forces of darkness as you advance the kingdom. You're called to be kingdom advancers. You're called to be carriers of the presence of God. And I, wanna, I want you to know this as foundational truth. I want you to see this in your heart. Let's go to second, continue in 2 Timothy 4, 1. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his coming, or his kingdom, Look at this, he's saying to Timothy and he's saying to us, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. What we're called to right now is gonna take great patience. Everybody say great patience. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. It's talking about this group of people up above here that just are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They're, they, they're selective. They just want to be entertained. They don't want to be uh, brought into conviction. They, they don't want to hear, uh, they want to hear half-truths rather than the truth. But yet, he says, they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. So many people are preoccupied with mythology and they're avoiding truth. But you be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. This is an admonition from Paul to Timothy, to be sure. It's also an admonition generally to the body of Christ for the last 2,000 years, and it's specifically a word for each one of us today. Now, I'm so encouraged by this that I want to go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. I'm laying this foundation uh, so that that lady that was saying to the mayor, you know, if we let them build this big building, these walls are going to sink. And he rolled his eyes because he knew something about engineering and he knew what the requirement was. And, you know, the, we have engineers and builders in the church. And yes, it would sink if it was built just on the dirt or just on the gravel. But when you go down to the, to the, the I was fascinated when I found out these poles were all dug, there are piers underneath. They're called piers, right? And, they, and they, they dig down till they find bedrock. And so a building like this, I watched the water was 10 feet. It was just over my hand right here. And that's a lot of volume and pressure against these brick walls. But man, this is not uh, like the big bad wolf build, blowing down the house of straw and the house of sticks. It's built with brick, it's built to last. And I'm telling you, you are built to last. You have a good foundation. The substance of God in your life strengthens you. When you see the winds of doctrine, you see people veer off, you see uh, uh, trends and patterns go around. And, and, but yet good teaching and solid teaching will sustain us through the crazy times of life. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is good teaching. Now I've got just a few more moments and we're gonna get ready to receive communion around these truths. And I want to show you this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. It says, for by these, well, first I'll read verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. The mains have these daughters, and you young girls, listen. Grace and peace are multiplied to you through the knowledge of God. So as you get to know him and you get to know the word, it builds a solid foundation in your life as your young people. You people from, you're from China, now you live in America, but your citizenship is heaven. 
And God wants you to have the same kind of strength as these double reinforced pillars. So he gives you a solid foundation and he's actually strengthening you with might and power and grace and peace are multiplied to you. In fact, one of the byproducts of righteousness, it says that in righteousness you will be established, you'll be far from oppression and you will not fear and terror for it will not come near you. And then the effect of righteousness also produces peace. So there, he's the prince of peace and he'll download peace in you. Man, when I was growing up in the fast-paced changes of the 60s and 70s in Southern California, as a teenager, um, a, probably an overly sensitive kid, uh, you know, with uh, some difficulty in my home life and variables like that, everybody's had them, I'm not whining, but through my experience, I felt like, man, I, it, be, I became, it became obvious I needed something more, I, need, I needed something solid. And it ended up being someone, and his name is Jesus. And I was so grateful that God threw a lifeline to me and brought credible Christians to communicate it to me in the midst of cults, in the midst of crazy Charles Manson and his followers, in the midst of the hippie rock culture of hedonism. And then, and then also I didn't understand the religiosity of the cold formalism, but I did get a, believers who came and said, Jesus changed my life. You can have your life changed. And it wasn't just drink the Kool-Aid. It wasn't anything weird like that. It was legit. These people were sincere. There was integrity. The basis of it was the word of God. Good teaching. Good people. You know who, where you got it from, who, you brought, who brought it to you. And man, it's, it's, it's caused me to be able to last all these decades. Hallelujah. Look what it says here in verse. It says in verse 3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us. Look at this. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. How about that? This is an assuring verse. You could come in and go, man, I'm from a dysfunctional home back, background. I was addicted to cocaine for 10 years. I blew a rifle through all my money. I heard, I just read one of these rock stars thinks he spent $6 million on drugs through his drug period. $6 million. And I'm just so happy he's come out and he's alive and he's endeavoring to tell the rest of the world you can live sober and you can be creative. I read a whole article about this. Uh, about several different musicians. And I'm so happy about them coming through it. It does something for me when I see survivors and people that overcome the crazy odds of these things. I'm so happy when I see people dodge cultic teaching and go for the basics, stay faithful in the house of God and stay consistent with the Lord and continue. He said, you, however, continue in these things. I think one of the greatest message, messages fostered in the Bible is continuance. Presbyterian minister Eugene Peterson talked about a long obedience in the same direction. He just passed and went to be with the Lord. He wrote the Message Bible, did an interesting paraphrase at the end of his life. And I, I think it's notable that if we just keep pressing on, just a few miles from here is the headquarters, world headquarters, for the Energizer Battery Company. Uh, I was at a civic meeting and the president talked about their batteries and I love their theme, the little Energizer bunny that just keeps going and going and going. I think it's prophetic that we're planted within a stone's throw of that place just to tell us that there's that precedence. We just keep going and going and going. There was a great missionary, I think it was William Carey, who said, I just know how to plod. He just kept pressing on. And uh, that's what Paul the Apostle's uh, model was. You just press on toward the goal of the prize through all these high times and all these hard times. And uh, this is where we're at right now, isn't it? Isn't it amazing? 
But look at what it says here. It says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything we need, everything necessary pertaining to life and godliness. For example, the communion elements. The juice represents the shed blood of Jesus that covers and remits and deals with our sin and its condemnation. The body, the bread, represents the healing power of God for today. Healing in the atonement, healing in the word of God. He sent his word and healed them. By Jesus' stripes we are healed. It's the one-two punch of redemption right there in the thimble-sized cup, hermetically sealed. And we're going to open it and we're going to receive it because he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Are you get, listen, listen, I have, I, the best part's yet to come. Look at what it says here. So that, we, that, that by them we may become partakers of the divine nature. A partaker in the Greek is a word uh, koinanas, which is the same word as koinonia. Koinanas is a sharer, an associate, a companion, a partner in fellowship with. We become partakers. We're getting ready to partake of these elements. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We're about ready to imbibe on this uh, representation of his mighty provision. And, and it is actu actually an amazing uh, mystery that, that, that it's, it, it's a representation of the, of the body and blood of a Savior who came to eradicate the sin condition and set captives free. In the restaurant, I looked around, I thought, God, I'd love to be able to just have talk to people about Jesus in here. There was a young couple with a baby in a stroller. They both had Jesus t-shirts on. And I just thought, now God, is that effective? Would that work? It used to work. I don't know. Would that work? Would, would walking right up to people in the restaurant, are they so, uh, have we become so socially distanced, so masked, so alienated that we don't even want to ever talk to each other again? Is it that harsh? Um, but yet, I, uh, the gospel must be preached. This gospel must be communicated. We've got to figure it out. We've got to figure out a way to do it. And in verse 4, it says, For these, by these, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, in order that by them, look at this, you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This is profound. Say this with me. I'm a partaker of his divine nature. On me he will not impute sin. There is therefore now no condemnation looming over my head. I have an advocate with the Father. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. My citizenship is in heaven. My name is recorded in the book of life. I'm loved by God. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Signs and wonders are to follow me. When I pray... God hears and answers. When I walk, signs and wonders follow me. I am more than a conqueror. I'm a tree of righteousness. I'm the planting of the Lord. Whatever I do prospers. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, it, this is a settled fact, see, that, that he took away the sins of the world, John 1 29, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is an established fact, one of his promises. He dispatched another helper. He said, it's good that I go. It's John 14, 16, because I'm going to send a helper that's going to come alongside you and help you. That's the Holy Spirit. Number three, he established a permanent openness between God and man. Remember in Mark 15, 38, 
The, the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That which was a statement of separation from a holy God and a sinful humanity was torn in two from top to bottom. Finally, there is access to the throne of grace. Finally, there's mercy that triumphs over judgment. And number four, he instituted a new covenant, inaugurated or based on better promises. That's Hebrews 8, 6. And one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament was 1 Kings 8, 56. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promises which he promised through Moses, his servant. Now that's in the Mosaic Covenant under Moses and the Old Testament. But that Old Testament truth is emphatically bumped up into the New Testament context. And even more beside, one greater than Moses has come. And a new covenant inaugurated on better promises has come. And you look at how good God was to his Hebrew people. And he's, he's infinitely more available to us than we could ever even imagine. The best thing about this is intimacy and connection and fellowship with God. And as you receive communion, if you need to repent of any lingering, unconfessed sin, do it now. If you've got some enemies you've been bitter toward, forgive them now. If you've got a situation where you've never been born again, before you put the communion to your lips, confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. The Bible says you'll be saved. Look, I didn't make that up. Don't let anybody talk you in or out of it. If you receive Jesus as Lord, the Bible says you'll be saved. That, that when you call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. That's what the Bible says. He desires no one to perish, but everyone to have everlasting life, including you, indifferent, distant. You may have been an agnostic or an atheist all your life. You may be from another big world religion. I'm telling you, Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. He's the one who died and shed his pure blood for a lost generation of generations and generations. He's faithful to a thousand generations. He's as vibrant and alive and present today as he was in the New Testament at the beginning. And as weird and as, as, as convoluted as society has become, the kingdom of God is standing firm and those upon the solid rock are standing firm. And as we affirm that, he sets us up for a new positioning, for new leveraging, for new effectiveness so that we can go out with joy, be led forth with peace. We can see more impact than we've ever seen in our prayer lives. We see more of the presence of God show up in our church services. We can see encounters with God in our daily devotions while we're driving to work, while we're going in and, and making decisions every day. The anointing of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom from God and all these amazing things we partake of are activated. We come into this supernatural awareness. Everything starts with this knowledge. Grace and peace is multiplied to us in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord where we know we have favor with God and favor with man and we go out with joy and we stand firm and we rebuke uh, illness and we rebuke the devastation of depression. We come against aimlessness because we know God has a plan for our lives. Let's all stand up on our feet. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, thank you. For this moment, we are captivated by your love. We are participating in your promises. G.K. Chesterton said, whatever man is, he is not what he was meant to be. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, uh, but yet God has brought redemption to us. Paradise lost, but a, a, a restoration. 
Listen, let the Spirit of God burn the spirit of the age off of you. Get fresh in your thinking with God. I'm so intrigued by the world itemizing so many peculiarities. But God, in the church, we've got to itemize the provisions. We've got to major on the majors, and we've got to get our focus on, on, on God chiefly and get become ripping Jesus followers where we're on fire, where it's serious for us, so serious that we laugh hilariously. We rejoice consistently. We are glad profoundly, deeply serving the Lord from a happy heart. Give thanks with a grateful heart. He is so faithful. He loves you. I pray the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes on this moment. I pray, God, you help us to understand the, the provision of being forgiven of our sin. We don't take it lightly. We don't ignore it. God, if without the shed blood of Jesus, I'd be lost on my way to hell with no hope. But Jesus, you died for me. You died for my sins. And I am grateful to you for that. And I don't have a self-righteous approach. Without you, I'd be so messed up and miserably lost. But because of you, I've been made right with God. And that right, that right standing with God enables me to walk humbly with you, but boldly with you, determined to see the plan of God come to pass in my lifetime. I pray the St. Louis Bi-State area has an awakening. I pray the light and power of God shoots out of this church to all the nations. I pray Jesus' name, God, you do something stabilizing over Chesterfield Valley, over the heartland, over St. Charles, St. Louis, over all of Illinois and Missouri, over the, all the heartland, over the United States. I rebuke the devil over the United States of America, Canada, Mexico, Central South America, all the nations. I'm trusting you, God, for a great harvest amongst the lost and a great revival amongst the saved. And I pray the blessing of God. I pray people in here live to be ridiculously old. They're fresh. They think solidly. They drive as long as they can drive. They, they're good with their finances. They sleep great. They, they're, they, they're peaceful. Their they're cog cognitive skills and memory, memory short-term, mid- and long-term, it's healthy. I pray that their bodies are strong. I come against arthritis. I come against cancer cell development. I come against deficiencies of heart, soul, mind, all body issues, every aspect, male, female, I loose the healing power of God to flow that as we ingest these elements, we are literally releasing our faith to a faithful God and we are partakers of his divine nature. We are we're provided for. He's our father. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Say this with me, my cup runs over. His grace is sufficient. He's anointed my head with oil. I'm going places. I'm doing things. God has a plan for my life. I am recalibrating, refocusing, taking aim, sharp, on track, bold, and available to God. In Jesus' name, I receive him as my healer, and I receive him as my savior. And I thank you, Lord, that more and more and more and more people are coming into the fullness. More and more people, Lord. I pray church, the real churches in our bi-state area are enthralled with the goodness of God. I pray the mainline pastors and the 
denominations and non-denominations. Everybody who's truly called has a touch from the Holy Spirit today. And God, I pray the blessing of God on, in, 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 a, in a, a new level on people's lives. I think about, I think about Roy and your, you and your wife and what you've come through. God's given you a fresh start. These are days of new beginnings for you. These are days of new beginnings for you. You've come through such hassle and both of you, and but yet here you are, having done all to stand, you stand. I think about the Haley's and the amazing panoramic vistas of God's purposes up ahead for you. I think about, I think about Suzanne and Tony and what God has up ahead. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, it's amazing. It's amazing. Ken and Debbie Bauer, it's amazing what the Lord has planned for you. Eye has not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered the heart of man the things God has prepared for those who love him. Everybody say, God's prepared me for something. Signs and wonders follow me. I I rebuke all apathy, all complacency. And I ask God for a stirring in my heart, kindling afresh of the gifts you've given me since I was a little bitty child, formed in my mother's womb. Your purposes shall surely come to pass in and through me, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.